uh, be a part of that. Okay, so we're back in the book of Revelation. This morning, we're, we're looking at this, the beginning of the seven trumpets of God's judgment upon the earth. Now, remember our timeline in the book of Revelation. Timeline was chapters 2 and 3 were the church age. And, and, and then after chapters 2 and 3, the rapture of the church happens. Uh, chapter 4, verse 1, we're told after these things, twice in one verse, after these things, after these things, after what things? After the church age. The church is going to be at the end of the church age. The church is going to be raptured. First Thessalonians 4, 16, 18. We're going to be caught up in the clouds. We're going to see Christ as he is, and we too will be like him. And at that moment, what's going to happen is Christ is going to get us, the bride of Christ, out of the judgment. And then at the moment of the rapture, the great tribulation begins. And it begins, as we've seen, with seven seals of judgments. And then it's going to go from seven seals of judgments to seven trumpets of judgments, which we'll see beginning today. And then the seven bowls of judgment, the bowls of wrath. Now, I, I, when I think about this series of this, these waves of judgment that are going to come upon the earth during the Great Tribulation, the seven-year period, I think of fireworks. I, every summer, we do a full-on fireworks show for the whole community. I mean, it's a big deal. We have about 1,000 people here every 4th of July, and we do this boom-booms all over the sky for 20 minutes, commercial-grade fireworks show. And if, 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 if you think about fireworks, you can kind of see what's going on with these judgments. Because what happens is there's seven seals of judgments, and at the tail end on the seventh seal, all of a sudden, seven trumpets of judgments happens, and then all of a sudden, seven bowls of judgments happen. Think about fireworks, right? You got the fireworks, boom, 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 and then there's one left, and it starts going boom, 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 from that one, and then it goes, another one left, boom, 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 from that one. Don't look at me like that. You know what I'm talking about, right? You've been to fireworks shows, Right? And it starts with one, boom, boom, to another, boom, boom, to another. That's what's going to happen during the Great Tribulation. It's seven seals, and then boom, boom, seven trumpets, and then boom, boom, seven bowls of wrath. And so we're in the second, boom, booms. We're in the, we're in the, we're in the uh, trumpets right now. Now, listen, listen. Um, some of you here are saying, I came to church this Christmas season, and all this preacher's talking about is judgment. I thought God is love. He is. First John chapter 4, verse 7 tells us God is love. The very essence of who God is, is love. That's why he's patiently waiting for more and more people to repent and come to Christ before the rapture happens, before this judgment happens. We're told in 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, starting uh, with verse 9, we're told in, in 2 Peter 3, it, it, it's thrown up on the screen right now, it says, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he's patient towards you. Not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But, it says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. We're going to see that this morning. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be? Keep it up on the screen, Carlton Kent. What sort of people ought you to be with holiness and godly Character is what it's talking about right there. And so what it's talking about in 2 Peter chapter 3 is our response to God's judgment should be holiness. And that, yes, God is a God of love, but listen, church, listen. He's also a God of holiness and justice. And we're told in Revelation, the very book itself, in Revelations 4 and 5, when the angels are singing around the throne of God, what are they singing to God? Holy Holy, holy is the Lord of God Almighty. 
who was and is and is to come. Holy is the lamb who is slain. Holy. And so God is love, yes, but God is holy. And he's patiently waiting right now for the judgment because he wants more and more people to repent and get right with God. But there is coming a day. God's spirit will not always strive with man, the Bible says. There's coming a day where God in his holiness must judge this earth because he's omnipotent, he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he sees everything, he knows everything, he's, and he's holy, and he must judge eventually everything he's seeing in this world. Think about that again. God sees every murder. God sees every rape. God sees every child molestation. God sees every lie. He sees every theft. And there's coming a day where God says, enough. Time to judge the world. Judgment's coming. And listen, a couple of responses. We're going to talk about this in the message, too. As Christians, what should our response to God's justice and holiness and future judgment be? It should be an urgency to live for Christ. This is no time, because this is right around the corner. This is no time to be playing church. This is no time to be a Sunday Christian but Monday pagan. This is no time to be wishy-washy in your Christianity. Judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. And hey, listen, and if you're not saved, this is no time not to be a Christian. Because what we're going to study again this morning, it's not legend, it's not fairy tale, it's not fable, it's the word of God. And every prophetic word in this book is going to come to truth and fruition. It's happening, it's going to happen. And if you're not saved, I'll give you an opportunity at the end of this service to get right with God so you won't be left behind. Because if you're not right with God and you're not saved, you're going to face these seven years of great tribulation like the world has never seen before. Jesus described this time period in Matthew 24 when he's talking about the great tribulation. And it was, it, was, it was in Matthew 24, verse 20, 21 and 22. It says, For then there will be a great tribulation, such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. That's what he's talking about, the great tribulation. Kind of reminds me when I was a kid, uh, one of my favorite shows as a kid, I'm dating myself right now, is um, Flip Wilson Show. How many remember the Flip Wilson Show? Some of you are old like I am, right? Goes all the way back to the 70s. But there was two lines from, from Flip Wilson. If, if you remember Flip Wilson, his lines he'd say over and over again is, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. Devil, what was his other line? He, you got it. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. And he was even on another show with Sammy Davis Jr. And, and, and both of them would be saying, here come the judge. Here come the judge. Here come. And I, was, I couldn't get this out of my mind when I was studying this chapter this week. All I was thinking about is I was, I was thinking of Flip Wilson. Here comes the judge. Here comes the judge. And it's true. Here comes the judge. And we're going to see that here in this book, the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 8. And so let, with that background in mind, let's jump right in. Ready? Chapter 8, verse 1, if you're there, say amen. Okay, here we go. And when he broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. And I saw the angels who stand before God. And the seven trumpets, there it is, were given to them. So we're finishing the seventh seal. Boom, 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 boom. And now there's going to be seven trumpets. And before this judgment comes, there's a dead calm. And it's interesting, heaven's going to go silent, here it says, for a half an hour. Now, up to this point, heaven wasn't silent. Heaven was exuberant. Chapters 4 and 5, 
When John has shown heaven up to this point, there's millions, literally a hundred million angels, a, ten, ten, a myriad multiplied by myriads, which is 10,000 times 10,000, math, hundred million angels are exuberantly praising God, and all of heaven is resounding with holy, 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 and the elders are falling down and throwing their crowns at Jesus' feet, and there's a, there's a parade of praise going on in heaven, and all of a sudden, the second wave of judgment's coming, and all of a sudden, Heaven goes silent. Have you noticed in a big crowd, I mean, this is a hundred millions of people. Have you noticed in a big crowd when there's silence, it's a, ooh, like almost, almost like an eerie thing, a calm before a storm. That's what's happening. Well, that's enough for that. That was only 30 seconds. Can you imagine that with 100 million people, 100 million angels gathered in heaven for 30 minutes? All heaven is just bracing for the judgment that's about to come. Reminds me when I was uh, first investigating U-Turn for Christ, I was actually invited to go out to the ranch when I was out there for a pastor's conference. And I got to this ranch, and then the uh, main overseer of the ranch under Jerry Brown brought me to Moreno Valley, and Moreno Valley had this large Calvary Chapel. It was a mega Calvary Chapel of several thousand people. And we went to the Wednesday night service. And I sat like right over here in the front with Mario, who is the assistant to Pastor Jerry. And we sat through the service. And there was a whole row of teenagers right in the front middle, right in front of us. And all they were doing during the first five minutes of the Bible study was just ripping up, joking, hitting each other total disturbance right in the front middle of this sanctuary with like 1,000, 1,500 people on a Wednesday night there. And I'll never forget uh, the pastor there, the Calvary Chapel pastor there, right in the middle of the Bible study. He stopped. Silence for like two minutes and looked at the whole row. And then after the silence, he said, okay, we ready to get on with Bible study now? And I was thinking about judgment's coming to those teenagers because their parents are probably somewhere there too. And then when they get home, they're going to get it. That's, that's how heaven is right now. Heaven is bracing for these judgments that are coming to the world because of the great tribulation kicking in with the seven trumpets. Interesting here also in verse 2, it says the seven angels who stand before God and were given seven trumpets given to them. What's interesting about that is it's saying there's specific angels that job is to stand before, before God in heaven. Now, I don't know who six of those angels are. I think I know at least one of the seven, though, because we're told in Luke chapter 119, when this angel answered and said to, to uh, Zechariah about the birth of John the Baptist, I am Gabriel, notice, who stands in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. So one of those seven is probably Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. Now, 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 these seven angels now start blowing these seven trumpets. And they're blowing these trumpets. And as they blow the trumpets, there's one judgment, two judgments, and the first four of the seven judgments are literally judgments upon the earth. Judgments upon nature itself. Judgment upon this whole system we're in uh, that God holds together right now is going to be disturbed by these judgments. Now, these judgments upon nature, the first four, are going to affect the earth, but it's also going to affect man because of the fallout upon nature that's going to happen as these trumpets are being blown. Interesting, trumpets, going back to Numbers, the book of Numbers, we're told in the book of Numbers, trumpets were for three purposes. Trumpets were to proclaim an event, 
Trumpets were to, to not only proclaim an event, but gather God's people. And then thirdly, trumpets were blown to get God's people ready for war. And so what's happening here is, is it's proclaiming the event that God is going to war with the world in judgment. God is bringing forth his wrath upon the world through these judgments, and he's going to war with the Antichrist. He's going to war with the devil, the world, is the, the flesh and the devil that's in this world system, and he's going to war through judgment. Interesting here, too, as he blows these trumpets, it goes on and says in verse 3, another angel, probably another angel who stood before God, came and stood at the altar holding a censer, and much incense was given to him that the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was given before the thrones, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, he filled it with the fire of the altar, and he threw it to the earth. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashings of lightning and an earthquake. Now, there's some Old Testament imagery here. And it goes back to the temple. And in the temple there was an altar of sacrifice. That's where they'd do their burnt offerings. And what they would do is they would, they would burn their sacrifices there, and there would be coals that were continually lit that burn these burnt offerings of sacrifices. And then what the high priest or the priest would do is he had a censer. Now, we don't know what censers are, but here's what censers were. They were a chain with a bowl, the bottom of the chain. And the priest would use it like a shovel, and he'd come in and he'd swoop up some coals and then he'd take the bowls with the coals and he'd go into the holy place inside the temple. And then in the holy place inside the temple, there was an altar of incense. So he'd take the coals from the altar of sacrifice, he'd bring them in there, and then he'd dump the coals on the altar of incense, and then he'd sprinkle incense on there. And then the incense would rise to heaven as a symbol of the prayers of God's people. And the symbol was this. When God's people pray... All of heaven smells it. And there's a sweet aroma as God's people pray. Now, why is it a sweet aroma to God when we pray? Two reasons. When we take time aside to pray, we're prioritizing God. We're saying, I want to put God on my schedule to spend time with him in prayer. Remember the story of Mary and Martha in the the Gospels? Martha was busy doing all the stuff, serving, serving Jesus, getting the house ready, doing the dishes, getting the food ready. And then she looked over and her little sister, Mary, was sitting at Jesus' feet, just at his feet, just spending time with Jesus. Martha said, Jesus, tell my sister to help me. Remember what Jesus said? He said, Martha, Martha, you're worried about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. And Mary She chose the better part. She's spending time with me. And hey, listen, when we prioritize, on especially a daily basis, we just spend some time with God, it fills up heaven with the aroma of incense. And God, oh, it's so good. God says that my people are wanting to spend time with me. And we were created, we saw in Revelation 4.11, we're created for God's good pleasure. And one of the things that pleases God is when his saints prioritize just spending time with him and i know we're all busy especially the holiday season it seems to get busier doesn't it but you know what you're going to be more productive anyways if you start your day giving up a roman to heaven through prayer and listen 
Another reason why it's a sweet smell in heaven, not only because you're prioritizing time with him and fellowshipping with the God that created you, but also it fills up heaven with a sweet aroma because God knows when his children are dependent on him in prayer, he can move. Because the prayers of righteous people are powerful and what? Effective. King James Version, they availeth much. When we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. We got a a saying around it that's plastered all over this campus. It says, prayer changes what? Prayer changes things. It makes a difference. And heaven is smelling the prayers of God's people and says, okay, we can move now. Because God's people are praying. And many times I think God is not moving in our church, in our community, in our nation, because we're not seeking his face and praying. If my people are called by my name, seek my face and repent of their wicked ways, and they pray, God says he'll, he'll heal his land. It's the sweetest aroma that goes into heaven of prayer as we depend on him. We pray. I was thinking about this again as I was thinking about the necessity to pray, pray not only to please God through fellowship with him, but also to get things done. I was thinking about, I, I did a rewind of 36 years ago. I was in my last year of graduate school. I was sharing this with Men's Breakfast a little bit yesterday too. And I was in my last, last year of graduate school and I was broke. I was coming up in my last year as a spring and I remember I was broke. I was so broke that uh, within a few months when I started met the wife of my youth, Heidi, that I was so broke, when we go on dates, we would go to this little Mexican restaurant on the bottom floor of this mall, right by the seminary, and I would have to get my nickels and dimes and quarters, literally, and I found a Mexican restaurant where we could get 99 cent breakfast, and I'd come with my change in my pocket, and that's how we'd go on a date. I was broke, and I remember calling home to my dad, and right before that summer hit, and I said, Dad, God's really laid on my heart that I need to do summer school this summer and, and then finish my final year so I could church plant as soon as I'm done with next year's school. I got to get her done, Dad. And my dad just did one of those dad things and just laid into me. And he said, you need to get home, get your rear end home here and work. You're going to have to pay for school. There's no way you're going to pay for a whole other year of graduate school by doing summer school. And then he did what my dad would do sometimes when he was upset. Bam, hang up the phone on me. And but before he hanged up the phone, I said, Dad, little, little, gentle answer turns away wrath. I said, Dad, okay, listen, let, let me just pray about this. Let me pray. And, th- and that's when he hung up on me. And I said, uh, let, let me just pray about this. And so I prayed about it. And I lit up heaven with some aromas of prayers. I said, God, I need, I need funds to be able to finish seminary so I can go out and plant a church for you. And I, there's a sense of urgency. I, I, I need, to, need to get school done, to God. And I prayed. And within that day of praying, I was in the... Fuller Seminary Library, and I'll never forget it, Kent Norell came to the library as a friend of mine who was really smart. And I leaned on him for homework and some other ideas sometimes, but this time he's walking through our seminary, I'll never forget it, and Kent is whistling in seminary. I'm going, don't you know you got to be quiet in libraries? And he's whistling, and he's laughing, and he's like, and I'm just frowning because I'm broke. And I said, Kent, what's going on? What are you so happy about? And he goes, well, I just, I just got finished with a game show. And I made $36,000 in one game show. And I said, Kent, let's go outside and talk. (laughs) 
And I went outside for 45 minutes, and this guy was like a genius kind of guy. And he had the whole thing mapped out. For 45 minutes, he talked to me about the strategy of going through the auditions. There's an audition for 500 people, and then it goes to an audition of 100 people, and then there's a producer's audition. You get through that, you get on the show. Here's what you need to do to get through these auditions. You get on the show, and then after you get on the show, here's what happens. you got to have this strategy with this game, and you use this strategy, you can win. And I said, okay, I'm in. That week, that week... I went through that 500-person audition, 100-person audition, the, the producer's audition. I got on the show, and the day before, I called my mom because it was Mother's Day week, and I said, if I win anything on the show, Mom, we're going to go on a trip if I win a trip. And I get on the show, and it was pressure luck. I'll actually show you a picture. I, I shouldn't do this, but I'll show you a picture. That's me when I had hair in the middle. You believe it or not, that was Pastor John. I got on the show, and then after... The, it was the last show of the taping for that Saturday. I got on the show, and I won just enough money to pay for the whole next year of seminary. God is good, isn't he? God is good. But I've been praying. And I called my dad at like 2 o'clock in the morning. I said, Dad, guess what? He goes, what are you doing calling at 2 o'clock in the morning? I just won eight grand, and seminary is paid for it for next year. God answers prayers. Hang up on you. Seriously. And, and it was funny thing was, the, I, it was the end of the show. They'd sh- taped the whole week's shows. So I had to come back the next weekend. I came back the next week, and I told all my friends. I had 20 people in the audience, and I get on the show at the first show for the next weekend for a whole next week. I get on the show, and I got whammied four times. And I got kicked off the show, and God was saying, I'll meet your needs, not your greets. Because I was going to buy a new car if I won again. But you see how prayer changes things? Prayers, they fill up the aroma of heaven with God saying, oh, my people want to spend time with me. Not only do my people want to spend time with me, my people depend on me, and I'm going to answer their prayers. Now, does God always answer our prayers? No, not the way we always want all the time. God says yes sometimes, but sometimes he'll say wait, because it's not on my timing. Or sometimes he'll say, okay, hey, no, because I got something better for you. And I don't, know, I don't know about you, but I've looked back in the last 40 years of walking with the Lord, and someone that knows were really good knows, because he had something even better planned for us. We need to understand that God is our Father in heaven, and he loves it when we, his people, pray. It's a sweet aroma in heaven. Amen? And so let's go on now. And it says in verse 6, and the seven angels who had seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. And the first sounded, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. First trumpet, judgment upon the earth. These four judgments in this chapter all affect the ecological system, all affect the earth. And the first thing that happens, we see here, is there's hail, there's fire, and there's even blood raining down from heaven. Now, some people think this might be the after effect of nuclear war. It could be. Some scholars say this is the great sword that the Antichrist had a couple chapters ago, the great sword being nuclear arms, and he's raining down fire through these nuclear weapons. I personally believe, no, I personally believe this is just heaven. Sodom and Gomorrah didn't use nuclear weapons to wipe out that city. It was fire from heaven, and I believe that's probably what God is just supernaturally bringing fire. But interesting, a third of the earth is burned up a third of the trees are burned up from this fire of heaven. I, I uh, spent 10 years in Southern California. And every year, 
Santa Ana's would start blowing. Someone would have a campfire that gets out of control. And literally, thousands of acres would burn. To this day, if you go on the news, you'll see forest fires in Southern California literally wreaking havoc on thousands of acres. But that's chump change compared to what's going to happen during this judgment. It's not thousands of acres. It'll be tens of thousands of acres around the world. A third of the whole earth is going to be on fire. That's going to be South America, North America, Central America. Europe is going to be lit up like a major forest fire all throughout, I think probably tens of thousands of acres, maybe even hundreds of thousands of acres of a third of the whole earth is going to be burned up with this first judgment. It's going to be catastrophic. Can you imagine the smoke? And the, oh, this, it's going to be horrific during this first judgment. And then it says, verse 8, And the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became what? Blood. And a third of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. Second judgment. It goes from burning up the earth, a third of the earth, now a third of the sea is polluted to the point that it becomes like blood. And then a third of the creatures in the sea are killed. I grew up on lakes. Uh, my grandpa had a cottage on Hills Lake, Wisconsin. We were there every summer for weeks, sometimes all of August I'd be up there. But I'll never forget when one dead fish would come up on the shore, a catfish or a brim would end up dead on the shore. You could smell it all the way up the hill to the cottage. That's one fish. Can you imagine a third of the creatures in the sea dying at one swoop? Can you imagine the stench that's going to go out through the world? And then it says a third, a third of the ships by this, by this mountain of, of fire coming into the ocean, a third of the ships are going to be wiped out. Now, I was reading this week a stat, 24,000 ships on a daily basis are going around our world with shipping containers and with supplies and produce, everything else. 24,000 ships. Think about that. A third of them in one judgment are going to be wiped out. It's going to hit the business world like nothing else in regards. A third of things being shipped around the world are going to be just sunk to the ground. Now, what is this mountain of fire that's going to cause this catastrophic event of wiping out a third of the creatures and a third of the ships in the sea? Well, I believe it's probably an asteroid because it says it's coming from the heavens and it's like a mountain on fire. And it's, it's, it's a cosmic disturbance. Did you know that there's 2,000 asteroids on a daily basis that are within our hemisphere that could cause harm to this earth? But Colossians 1 tells us all things have been created by Christ and for Christ and he holds all things together. So through this season of grace we're in, I believe God, I don't know how he's doing it, but he's keeping any asteroids away from destroying this earth right now. I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised if he has some angels deflecting them. Okay, get that one going this way. Get that one going that way. Get this. But during this great tribulation, he's going to let it go. He's going to let it go, holding it all together. He's going to let asteroids, we're going to see it throughout the book of Revelation, asteroids hit the world and cause all kinds of problems like these ships. One of the reasons these ships are going to be destroyed probably because of tsunamis through this asteroid hitting the earth. Do you know that we've, we, we have had asteroids hit the earth before? There's actually a, a, a crater in Winslow, Arizona that's, that's three miles in diameter and 525 feet deep. And they believe it's that, that crater was caused by an asteroid thousands of years ago hitting the earth. 
We're, we're told by scientists that in, in North Pole, they found dinosaurs that were tropical dinosaurs found, fossils of them found in areas that dinosaurs couldn't exist. And some scientists believe it was because of a polar axis shift that happened that changed the hemisphere from tropical to North Pole because of probably a polar axis shift that happened from asteroids hitting the earth and causing jerking the earth and causing it to spin into frozen territory where tropical animals once were. It's amazing. But this is going to happen during the second trumpet. A great mountain of fire hitting, hitting the seas, causing all kinds of disturbances, killing a third of the creatures and destroying a third of the ships in the sea. Then the third trumpet sounds. And it says, in, the, in the, the third angel sounded, verse 10, and a great star, again, another asteroid probably, fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water, and the name of the star is called Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. Now, the first asteroid hit the ocean. What does this asteroid hit? Rivers, fresh water supply. And what it causes is it causes it to become wormwood. The word wormwood could be translated bitter. It poisons the water supply. Now, again, I lived in Southern California for 10 years. I knew the importance of water supply when I lived out there because you have millions of people out there, tens of millions of people from San Diego to L.A., and you're in desert. And what they would have is they would have uh, pipes that were brought into L.A. and other parts of Southern California from the Colorado River just so we'd have enough water supply in Los Angeles. They'd also have pipes coming from Northern California to bring in water supply. But if those pipes and those water reservoirs were polluted, a third of them, millions of people would die. You know why? Because you could live for 40 days without food, but you only could live for three days without water. And all this water is going to be polluted. A third of all the water supply from the entire earth is going to be wiped out. I remember being out in California, too, and there was barely any lakes out there. And the few lakes that were out there, you couldn't drive motorboats on, you couldn't do sporting activities on, because they were used for water supply, for water reservoirs. That's how important water is. So the third thing, we go from the first one being catastrophic in that the angel's first trumpet was, was, was disturbance upon forest fires. Second thing was disturbance upon the ocean, ships and creatures being killed and destroyed. The third thing was disturbance upon rivers, fresh water supply, and the water uh, becoming wormwood and made bitter. Now it says this, and the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars were smitten, so that a third of them might be darkened, and the day might not shine for a third of it, and the night in the same way. So forest fires, marina disturbance, marine disturbance, water, pollution, and now it's cosmic, cosmic disturbances. And what's happening is the sun, the moon, the stars are smitten. And what's the result? A third of light is taken away from the earth. A third of the day is taken away. Now, I was born in Anchorage, Alaska, and my, my, my dad was in the Air Force for four years up there, and I'm, I've never been to Alaska since they moved. I was 18 months old when, when they moved. And so all I've heard is stories about Alaska. But I grew up with some legendary bedtime stories with my dad. Because my dad would be in Alaska, and he'd be, they'd be brought out to, to, to the uh, wilderness where never anybody's been to glaciers. They had Air Force pilots that would bring them out there, and he'd be bear hunting for a week with a rifle and a, 
a, a tent and a sleeping bag. And we, my dad's office, actually his real estate company office, you'd walk in and underneath his table desk where his main office was, was a nine foot brown bear that still had eyes and would look at you as you walked in the room. And I remember, I remember my dad telling legendary stories all the time for bedtime stories. I remember many of them. But I remember one of the stories he would tell is in Alaska, because of the way of being all the way up by the North Pole, he said during the middle of the summer sometimes, it would be light till 2 o'clock in the morning. But then during the winter, it'd be dark for most of the day. It could be 10 o'clock in the morning in the middle of the winter, and it was still lights out, black, dark. Heidi says she would hate that because she, she likes sun. I do too. But that's what's going to happen upon the earth during this great tribulation darkness. You know, this has happened before in history. We know of one specific time in Scripture it happened. Actually, in the New Testament, it happened when Jesus was dying on the cross for you and for me. And from 12 noon to 3 p.m., total darkness. That's what it says in the Gospels. Why? Because it was probably the darkest time in human history when God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that he would die on a cross for you and me. And he would say, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross for you, for me. And the very people he came to save were killing him. For you, for me. Darkness. This is one of the wonderful things about heaven, though. We're going to read as we get to the end of the book of Revelation. The darkness will be gone. It actually says in Revelation 21 and 22 that God in his glory is going to light up all of heaven for the rest of eternity. And there will be no need for any lamp or for any lights. And there will be no nighttime because the glory of God is going to light up eternity for the rest of eternity. Because God dwells in inapproachable light. He is a God who is light. He is the light of the world and that's what we have to look forward to. No more night lights in heaven because God's going to light it up for the rest of eternity. But a part of the judgment, this final judgment of we're going to look at this morning is the lights are going to go out for a third of the day because of the darkness that the world is in with the Antichrist and with the judgment that's now upon the earth. And then it says in verse 13, and I looked and I heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven saying with a loud voice, whoa, whoa, whoa. I think it's amplified each time. I'm just guessing on that. But whoa, to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. So we've got a screaming eagle here. And this eagle is declaring to the rest of the world, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, whenever woe is used in the scripture, it's proclaiming judgment. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a scream of despair because judgments, more judgments coming. It's not gonna get any better is what this eagle is saying. You say, well, how can an eagle say anything? Hey, go back to the Old Testament. You'll see a donkey saying something. Balaam's donkey talked to Balaam himself. Here's the funny thing about Balaam talking to his donkey is he actually talked back to him. If I have a donkey that stops and is talking to me, I'm, I'm getting out of there. I'm not going to hold a conversation for him. But this eagle is going around the world saying, whoa, 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 whoa. More is to come. Judgment isn't finished yet. We've just got some more trumpets and we've got some more bowls of wrath. So what does this have to do with us today, this couple weeks before Christmas? Hey, we started and we'll end this way. What sort of people ought we to be 
with this being right around the corner. Peter told us, holy people, people that are set apart for God's purposes, people that are living for Christ in these last days, because judgment is coming. And not only that, people that have an urgency as Christians, to share with as many people as possible that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. Through that, we're, that we're people that aren't ashamed of this gospel that we believe in, because it's the power of God for salvation, whoever believes. We should be out there on the highways and hedges compelling people to come to Christ, because this is real. This is going to happen. And if you're not right with God, and this comes on, you're not going to be raptured. You're going to be left behind, and you're going to face these judgments that are coming. And so we should be serious about this in these last days. This is not a time, church, this is not a time to be playing church. We need to get down to business. As we say here in the South, we need to get her done. We need to get as many people to Christ as possible because the rapture, I believe, very likely could happen in this generation, in our lifetime. And one, we gotta be right with God, but two, we gotta be doing the Father's business because there's stuff to be done before this rapture happens. So let's get to business, church. We got a mission. The mission is to go and preach the gospel to all creation. The mission is to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that Christ has commanded us. And lo, Christ will be with us always as we go about this mission. And listen, the last thing, application this morning. If you're not right with God, if you don't know for sure that if you died right now, you go to heaven, and if, if, if the rapture happened right now, and you don't know whether you're right with God to the point that you'd be raptured, why don't you get that cleared up this morning? Today's the day, man. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time to get right with God. And if you're not right with God, do it today. I'll lead you in a prayer. All you have to do is raise your hand and say, Pastor John, pray for me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. And if you raise your hand, I'll help you pray a prayer where you open your heart. And you say, Jesus has come in. Revelation 3.20, remember it said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens the door, I'll come in. Jesus is saying that. And I'll dine with you and you with me. And again, God so loved you that he sent his best to die for you on a cross. But you need to confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and then you'll be saved. If you've never done that before, hey, make today be your day, man. I'll lead you in a prayer where we can do that. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much, God, for your word. Thank you, God, that your word is not fable or fairy tale. Your word is true. <clears throat> thank you, God, that you are, yes, a God of judgment, but you're also a God of love. You love us so much, Lord. You're so patient with us. Thank you, God, that you loved us so much you proved your love by sending Jesus, your best, your one and only son, your only begotten son, to come to this world to die on a cross for our sins. That if we simply believe in you and confess you as Lord and live for you, God, that you will get us out of here before these judgments come. Christ in us is the hope of glory. Thank you for that, God. First of all, Father, I pray for Christians, for us, that we would have a sense of urgency in these last days to live for you, to honor you with our lives, God, to be living in holy sacrifices, not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we may prove the will of God that which is good and acceptable and perfect for each one of us. Help us to live for you in these last days, God, with holy conduct and godliness. Help us to have an urgency too, Lord, about our mission. And our mission is to go and to share this glorious gospel that Jesus came, 
died on a cross, and if you believe in him as Savior and Lord, you could be saved. Help us not to be ashamed of that, Lord. Help us to be proclaiming it throughout the earth as you told us to. And Father, I pray for anybody that might be here this morning that needs to confess Christ as the Lord of their lives. They're not right with you, Lord. And Father, first of all, I pray that they'd see this morning that you love them and you want a relationship with them, that you sent Jesus to die for them. If you're here this morning, you want to get right with God and you want to confess Christ as your Savior, your Lord, and invite him into your heart, I just want to pray for you. And Christians, be praying right now. If you're here this morning, you want to just confess Christ and receive him as your Savior and your Lord, here's what I want you to do. Just raise your hand right now. Say, Pastor John, I want you to pray for me. I want to open my heart to Christ this morning. And if you're here and you want to do that, just raise your hand right now. Praise the Lord right over here. And I'll pray for you in just a minute. Keep your hand up. Anybody else here this morning that wants to get right with God, that wants to confess Christ as Savior and Lord, praise the Lord right back here in the middle, middle section right back here. Right back here in the theater seats too. Praise God. Great decision. Keep your hand up. I'll pray for you in just a second. Anybody else this morning? I'd love to pray for you this morning. Right here in the middle. Praise the Lord. Great decision. Anybody else? God's knocking. All right, if you have your hands raised right here, I want you to be bold. I want you to do this. I'm going to pray for you, but I want you to stand up. Stand up right now and I'll pray for you. Don't be afraid to stand for Jesus. He died for you. Go ahead, stand up. Stand up back there and I'll pray for you. Right here in the middle, I'll pray for you in just a second. Right here in the middle. Praise the Lord. Now just pray this prayer right now, out loud. Lord Jesus, pray with them, church. Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I trust you, Jesus, to be my Savior and to be my Lord. I will live for you, Jesus, the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.